man, that is the hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. And here we go on Tuesday, February the 12th, in the year of our Lord 2019. It's a Rumination Tuesday, and with us is our favorite guest for Tuesday. In fact, our only one, Mark Smith. <laughs> hey, good to be here, Tom. I'll tell you, what do you think of that weather out there? Isn't that something? The weather. Oh, it's oh. nice and sunny. Oh, I, I didn't even have to wear a short, sh- shirt today. Are you kidding? Where? What planet are you on? It's it's cold out there. I can't believe you passed me in walking and said it was cold. Cold is a thing of the mind. Just think you're on a beach. <laughs> no. And then there's no problem with it at all. Yeah, that's what I think. It's always of, of the mind. No. Well, it depends upon who's got the weak mind. <laughs> well, you got a big coat on, too. That's right. Songs of Thankfulness and Praise, a Luther hymn? No. No. Christopher Wordsworth. Yes. It it appeared actually in 1862, and it had as its caption, The Sixth Sunday After the Epiphany. And the only reason I think it said that is maybe in 1862 they only had six Sundays. Maybe so. Uh, Let's see. How many many we have now? Eight. We have eight? Yeah. Well, it depends. Hey, it depends upon when Easter falls. Uh, when, uh, you know, it depends yeah, right. upon when Ash Wednesday is. Ash Wednesday comes late. Yes. But sometimes it's as many as eight. And, and sometimes as few as, you know, I've, I've had uh, Ash Wednesday come as early as, uh, I think, February 6th, which is about a month in advance of, of this year. And this Sunday is the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. Yeah. And then we have two more. Uh, yeah, and then we get, and the last one, is, of course, is Transfiguration Sunday. Yes, yes. Did you know that Transfiguration Sunday used to be in the summer? I think the Norwegians celebrated in the summer. Well, actually, Schedule A, I, I'm sorry, the one-year series. Yeah, one-year series, yeah. Already has had it. Is that right? Yeah, it was last week. No kidding. Yeah, in, in fact... <laughs> One of the congregations I'm going to, the elder came to me and says, do I put on green or white? I said, why would you put on white? It's transfiguration. No kidding. And I pointed to the calendar he was looking at, and it said, see, that's under the one-year series of readings. Ah. We're in the three-year series. Right. Matthew is the first year, then Mark, Luke, and John interspersed throughout. I think it's appropriate to have it right before Lent. I think it's placed where it is, where it should be. Uh, what? Uh, Transfiguration Sunday. I shouldn't. I think it should be the last Sunday after the Epiphany. And, oh, okay. And right before, right before Ash Wednesday. I think that's a good place to place place it. Yeah. Um, pastor Whedon is pastor here, and I had a question for him. I was baptizing an adult, and I said, "Do we have a service for adult baptism?" Because I thought the one for children was bad. And he pointed out, no. You still use the same one. Same one, right. And I was kind of surprised. I don't know. I thought I've used it a number of times, but it did work. It doesn't speak yeah. only of infants. Baptism works both times, both on adults as well as in Well, infants. I did skip the passage <laughs> where they were bringing little children to Jesus. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, because yeah. this gentleman was older. and uh, uh-huh. um, Well, that's great. And, you know, an, an adult baptism is kind of nice to see once in a while. I mean, I know we believe strongly in baptizing infants, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of neat to see an adult come to faith later in life and I don't know if this happened in your life, but in my adult instruction, normally by the time we were done the Ten Commandments, they were asking to be baptized. That's right. And that's a healthy... And you know, you don't wait till they're through with the whole course. As soon as they understand what a blessing it is, you baptize them whenever they're ready. 
Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So this hymn, he wrote it in anticipation of the future great and glorious epiphany at which Christ will appear again to judge the world. I am not using it this Sunday because I think it's more appropriate for the last Sunday I of agree. the epiphany because it goes over a number of the right. events during yep. the season. Yep. So without further ado... I always try to use it at least twice during the epiphany season. Oh. Well... I met with these congregations, and I asked them for a list of hymns, and they gave me about 200. And since <laughs> I began, well, from the hymnal. No that, kidding. That they knew how to they sing. They have favorite hymns. That many favorite hymns. Yeah, yeah. Good Golly, dream. that's a great congregation. They really love their hymnody. And I have only twice sung the same hymn in the last six months. No kidding. And that was because of baptism. They really like to sing out there in the country, huh? Well, they. Uh, well, one of them has a tremendous choir. Oh, man. There's not very many people, but, boy, they did one two weeks ago. I, I went up to the organist. I said, you ought to start tape recording your verse services as well as the choir. And at the end of the year, this is what we did at St. James. We made a DVD of all the choir anthems. Wow. And, boy, does that sell. No kidding. Yes, people always were enjoying and getting them in. We charged three hundred dollars a CD, <laughs> so we finally made our budget. <laughs> Stanza one, please. Okay. Songs of thankfulness and praise, Jesus Lord, to Thee we raise. Manifested by the star to the sages from afar, branch of royal David's stem, in Thy birth at Bethlehem, anthems be to Thee addressed. God and man made manifest. God in man. Yes, God in man. Yes. Manifest. What you're going to see here is a listing of the various events during the season of Epiphany that points out to us that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And this is a great... In fact, who was I talking to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, don't you get this from lay people sometimes? You know, I can't witness. I didn't go to the seminary. And I say, no, all you have to do is know a hymn. That's right. Take a hymn and absolutely. And have your children memorize it. Yeah, I was thinking about In fact, I heard you say that on the radio some time ago. I thought it was a great idea. This, this really is, that's another good reason for us to go over these hymns. You know who I got that from? Uh, oh, I thought I thought it all originated with you, Tom. Well, that's <laughs> true, but no, believe it or not, uh, Pastor Herman Otten. No kidding. When he would go out walking with his kids every morning, they would sing hymns. Huh. And that's how they got to memorize. His son became a member of my congregation for a while when he was at Washington University uh -huh. and such. And uh -huh. uh, no, that was where I picked that up from about memorizing hymns. And so a family should decide each person, what's your favorite hymn? And then take some time and, and memorize it. Yeah, right. Because it's a great witness, oh, yeah. as this one is, because it talks about his birth. It talks about the Gentiles, the sages coming when they saw the star. So let's go on with stanza two and see what else is mentioned. Manifest at Jordan's stream, prophet, priest, and king supreme. And at Cana, wedding guest, in thy Godhead manifest. Manifest in power divine, changing water into wine. Anthems be to thee addressed, 
God and man made manifest. I got a little question. Maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm picking at it a little bit too much. But when it says, in thy Godhead manifest, it seems like it should be worded the other way. You know, we believe that G- the, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus manifest. Uh, uh, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. Right. And he, he, the whole Godhead dwells in him. It sounds like it's saying, in thy Godhead manifest. It sounds like it's saying, you know you know what I'm saying? It sounds like it should be worded the other way. And at Cana, wedding guest, in thy Godhead manifest. What's the other way you want to word it? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you said it was well, the other way. It seems like it sh- it should say something like uh, God the Godhead is, man- is manifest in Him in the in the wedding guest Jesus. Oh, I think that's what it is saying. What is the definition of epiphany? Uh, unveiling, uh, m- manifestation. Unveil- that's what it is. Yeah. It's manifest. So after He changed water into wine, after He stilled the storm, after the fish. What did yeah. they say? You know, what kind of man is this? God is in the flesh. It revealed him to be God. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I think this is saying. Is the whole that, Godhead. Well, when you say the, the fullness whole, of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, it's When says. you say the whole Godhead, I think of the Father and the Spirit, and that's not true. He's a separate person. Yeah, right, right, right. I agree with that. He's truly God and man. Yeah. So I don't know what you mean by the whole Godhead. Yeah, well, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Right. You see me, you see the Father. That's right. Yes. And the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So that doesn't mean they're all the same. No, 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 persons. no. No, I'm not saying, absolutely not saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I just think Godhead just refers to what the... Athanasian Creed talks about that he's both man and God. Well, this really gets into the Trinity. Let me ask you, let me ask you, uh, is Jesus the only person of the Godhead that has the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily in him? No, the Father does too, and so you, does the you Spirit. You say the Father, Father also has the, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him. Right. And the Holy Spirit too? Yeah, they're divine. They're God. Well, and yet they're three different persons. So... <laughs> it's called the Trinity, Mark. Yes, I know. But it's also called mystery. <laughs> yes. One, remember, it says one Godhead, three uh-huh. persons. Uh-huh, yeah. So I, I don't have any problem. So you would say the Godhead dwells in all three of the persons. I, I thought it only speaks of Christ as being that. No. No, okay. I, uh, all right. If we're wrong on that, we won't be on KFU tomorrow. That, that's right. Absolutely. No, that's sure. Yeah. Well, if, any, if we need to be corrected, correct us. You I see, I think Epiphany manifests Jesus as having the Godhead, which means he is also God as well as man. That, that's what I think it's talking about, the uh-huh. two distinctions. Uh-huh. You may never heard of this, but. He had all the attributes of God. He just didn't make use of them. That, Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> I'm the one that I'm the one that show, showed that to you. Thanks Go, to H. Richard Klein. Going on to stanza three, I'll read that. <laughs> Manifest in making whole, palsied limbs and fainting soul. Manifest in valiant fight, quelling all the devil's might. Manifest in gracious will. 
ever bringing good from ill. Anthems be to the address God and man made manifest. Okay, manifest and making whole. What event is that talking well, about? Well, it's talking about the healing of the man sick with the palsy in Capernaum. Remember when yes. they dropped him through the hole in the roof? Right. And, uh, and you know, he'd been twisted up and unable to walk for years. Everybody right. everybody in the village knew about him. And it, Jesus uh, said, so, so you will know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Arise, get up, and take your pallet home. Yes. And he did. Are we the Son of Man? Do you have the power to forgive sins? No. no. Myself? No. All I, I'm just a mouthpiece of yes. Jesus. That's and all. And so rather than power, what's the word that we authority. use? Authority. Yeah, very good. We have the authority. It's, it's, it's like God-given. It's like a judge. No human being has the power to put somebody in the electric chair, but a judge has the authority on the basis of the people. Uh, right, right, right. He's given that and, authority. And ultimately, the authority comes from God, because God's the one that's placed these authorities in power. Romans 13. Right. What's the manifest and valiant fight quelling all the devil's might? When was that event? Oh, that's whenever he cast out a demons. Yes. I remember the one we read last week is the demon said, you are the son of God, you are the yeah, Christ. Yeah. And he said, be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What have I to do with you? What, what, what do we have to do with you, Jesus? Yes, yeah, of Nazareth, yes. yes. And uh, then they threw the man to the ground. Yeah. And it was a violent throwing, according to the Greek, but he got up unhurt. Yeah, right. So not only did the devil get excised from him, but he was unhurt. That's right. And, you know, there were some people who say, well, you know, they, all, they thought all the diseases were really, you know. Mental. No, by uh, the uh, devil. Uh, exercise. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. But what happens in the very next verse? He heals Peter's that's right. mother-in-law, that's right. who is said to have a fever. Yes, that's right. And so, and I the, mean, and they the, knew about uh, fever. They knew about mental illness as opposed to uh, well, not demon possession. Illness. She didn't have a mental illness. No, and, I know. But some people are always saying, well, it's just a mental illness. They, You know, they thought it was demons, but it was just a mental illness of some sort. Yes. But remember, the demon says, what have, I to, what have you to do with us, Jesus? We, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So that was obviously, that was uh, a demon that knew who Jesus was. The demons all know who he is. Yes. But, of course, their explanation to the people would be wrong. They found him as a Messiah trying to get right. the people to think he's a bread king. Right, right. Rather right. than the true Messiah. Have you ever experienced a person with demon possession? Uh, no. I'm not no. talking about your wife. No. <laughs> no, my wife is fine. Yes. Uh, well, I guess I'm No, but that. I've... Uh, you know, I've sometimes I wonder. <laughs> I actually did. Did you really? No yes, kidding. I um, met Louise at Lutheran Hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was an orderly, and every now and then they send me to the psychiatric room, <laughs> not, not as a patient. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But there was a lady in there. We would play chess. Uh huh. But if I ever said the word Jesus, she would go. Bonkers. No kidding, no kidding. And they tried to give her electric shock therapy. 
that's the closest I think I've ever come. Uh-huh. And just recently, I heard of a Lutheran pastor in the United States who had done an exorcism. Yeah. Well, you know, they say that this is that this happens uh, quite a bit, like on the mission front, where they're. Uh, you, you know, foreign countries yes, where right. where uh, the missionaries are trying to get a foothold in in heathen lands, and they say that sometimes they'll run into that yes type of possession. Okay, so we've seen him helping a lame man, exercising a demon. The next line: manifest and gracious will, ever bringing good from ill. Well, you could do a number of oh, yeah. miracles he did there, right? Remember it said in that in Capernaum, he healed all that were brought to him. Yeah. Yeah, you just think he just healed every now and then, but no. No. The, the whole group. Right. That's why yeah, you never hear, you never have, hear about him forbidding or never, you never hear about Jesus uh, refusing. Well, not refusing, but unable. Right. Nazareth. Right. He was even surprised because of their lack of faith the few miracles he was able to do. And, of course, they were angry at him. They wanted the miracles in Capernaum, so they decided to throw him off a cliff. Yeah, threw him over, yeah wanted to throw him over the cliff. And that's something. His own hometown. Stanza four. Sun and moon shall darken be. Stars shall fall. The heavens shall flee. Christ will then like lightning shine. All will see his glorious sign. All will then the trumpet hear, all will see the judge appear. Thou by all wilt be confessed, God and man made manifest. Now, that's really interesting that thou by all will be confessed. Yeah, well, that's talking about in the last day. There'll be no, yes. there'll be no rejecting him then. I mean, yeah. everybody, you know, you, you talk about all the... All the uh, Unbelievers. Unbelievers, the, the, demons, the atheists, the agnostics. Yeah. You know, the... They will recognize that he is God and man made manifest. There'll be no denying. Be any good. There'll be no denying him. Right. The sun and moon shall darken be. When did that occur? Uh, leading up to the end. Uh, right? It, well, it's ta- it talks about in uh, Matthew uh, 25, right? During Doesn't, what? Well, Jesus talks about the, uh, he talks about the... Uh, well, think about... The signs in the sun and the moon and signs okay. in the heavens. Um, Leading up to the last day. I'm going to say a word and you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. Treor. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the treor. Uh, the... the um, Darkness is, is he talking? Is he talking three. about? Is he talking about the darkness on his crucifixion? Is that what he's talking yeah, about? Yeah, stars shall just, fall, the heavens shall flee. Well, I'll tell you, oh great one, you have revealed something to me today. Oh my! <laughs> because I always thought this was talking about the uh, leading up toward the last day. Because it says, "There's no doubt you can take it as the last day." Christ will then, like not lightning, shine. All will see his glorious sign. That could be transfiguration. Or it could be his resurrection, or, or his second coming. That's right. That's right. So there's a combination. The last part is definitely second coming. All will then the trumpet hear. All will see the judge appear. And that's definitely last. Yeah, day. I, th- I think it's talking about the the end times. I think it's talking about the signs leading up to the end. I think that's what it's talking about there, because it. Uh, uh, you know, it's talking about Christ's return, his like lightning, and his, all of his glory. They'll see his glorious sign. 
Yeah, but during the, the trumpet, that's talking about the that's talking about the last day. Tom. Well, that is, but not the first part. I think the sun and moon occurred during the three hours. Well, what can I say? How, oh, well, how can you argue with the great one? Yes, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope my wife's listening. All right, stanza five. Grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word. Grace to imitate thee now, and be pure as pure art thou, that we might become like thee at thy great epiphany, and may praise thee ever-blessed, God and man made manifest. Now that's definitely talking about his great epiphany uh, at the end, when he comes on the last day. Don't you think? Yes, I agree with you there. Great one. Um, or lesser great lesser one. Lesser great <laughs> Um, a little problem. Grace to imitate thee now and be pure as pure art thou. Um. Uh, let me think now. Let me think. And be pure as pure art thou. Let's see. Grace to imitate thee now and be pure as pure. Ah, no way. Except in him. You know, I mean, well, you know. Where, wh- how well, would you explain You it? always say. It, He's the the most difficult example to follow. There's no way well, it's impossible. We to can follow him. no way we could uh, imitate. So him. what would this mean? It's the word <sighs> imitate. Grant, what are we imitating? Grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word. Grace to imitate. Well, it comes through the the, the gospel. Grace to imitate thee now and be pure as pure art. It only comes from Him. Purity only comes from Him. That's the only way we could ever be pure. Well, he does say, uh, you shall be holy. Doesn't he say? Yeah. What's the passage? That's you shall be holy as I, the Lord the thy God, am holy. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, then you'll be holy like the fathers. Yeah. yeah. But that's but not only the in Christ. of works. Only in Christ. Only grace. Right. That, that wouldn't be referring to grace there. No. Um, that that's a law sermon showing that it's impossible to be holy. Impossibly right. holy as his. Yes, it's right. that word imitate. I'm going to come back to that. I think. What do we imitate so that we are as pure as he is? We imitate his faith. Oh yeah, em- emulate his faith. Yes. That's well, right. that's that's also the case with the saints. That's what we're to do with the saints: is emulate their faith, imitate their faith. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We and don't so, worship them. We don't pray to them. But we we imitate their faith. It's not works. It's faith that we're imitating. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how we become pure as he is, because he that believes and is baptized, he that believes and shall baptized, shall be, be saved. Saved. Right. And this is a huge difference in the Heidelberg Disputation that he wrote in 1518. Martin Luther brings that out, that there's no way that we can become pure as God desires us to be through our works. But that purity comes through believing, through faith, faith alone, not faith plus works, like the Roman Catholics used to say and still do. That's right. Yeah. So it's Sola fide. Sola fide. Faith alone. Explain that German. Sola fide is faith alone in Latin. Yes, thank you. Faith alone. Uh, There's a number of alones. How many of them are there? Sola fide, scriptura, sola scriptura, sola gratia, which is grace Grace. alone, and and uh, Christum. Christum. A lot of them forget Christum. Yeah. But that's part of the sola. So what are you preaching on this Sunday? 
Haven't decided. Haven't decided. Haven't decided. Yeah, I, you well, know, yeah, it's not Saturday night. I forgot. Right. Well, you know, we, we, we canceled church last Sunday. You did? Yes. Sad to say, yes. Because of the ice. Did you drive out there in Illinois by yourself? No problem at all. No problem at all? Well, who else would go with me? <laughs> of course I was. So they didn't cancel church out there in the country, huh? No, no. I, well, I left for them. at 2 a.m. and Ooh. therefore had no... Not a bit of precipitation, and I got to the church, and then I slept in the parking lot for two hours. No kidding. And then when I came out of church, it was really slippery yeah. and icy. And went to another church, but it wasn't too bad, the, the roads. Wow. And your address. 8646 New Sappington Road, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church of Crestwood, just south of the Watson and New Sappington exit. Come and join us 5 p.m. Saturday or 9 a.m. Sunday. Thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith, next, sun, uh, next Tuesday. You bet. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.